Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Hey, would you turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 34? Psalm 34, please. And uh, I, want to t- I want to talk to you a little bit this morning. Hopefully this will be a short message. Somebody said amen. Yeah. You know, because I, cause I, I, I was hoping that, that we'd end with a little worship, a little praise today and uh, spend a little time with the Lord. But it, it is a sensitive topic that I'm talking about. Because on the one hand, I'm talking about people that you probably love the most. But on the other hand, I'm talking about people that probably give you the most grief. And I don't, I don't want you in the message, I don't want you in the message to lose that distinction. I, I'm not against your people. Don't shoot the messenger today. Come on. I'm, I'm not, in fact, I'm for them. I, I want to see God bless them. I want to see God set them free. I want to see God fill their life with peace and joy and love. But, 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 but let me tell you something. There are people in your life, family members especially, that if you're not careful, you'll begin to love them so much that the love you should have for God now is being consumed by them. And, and I gotta, I, I gotta help you with that. I gotta give you that, this, this word this morning. We're, we're, we're studying a very interesting psalm here, a psalm of David who David has come under a spirit of fear. And he receives this spirit of fear because of a family member. That's, this, that's where it started. In fact, the spirit of fear comes and begins with Saul. Now, now, now Saul's name, if I could kind of uh, contextualize it a little bit, means you asked for it. That's what his name means. You asked for it. Do you remember how they picked this guy this, to be king? Remember, he stood head and shoulders above everyone else, right? Israel said, give us a king like the other nations. God says, I got it all set up already. I got it worked out. You don't, you don't need that. If you get a king, he's only going to subdue you. He's only going to make you pay lots of taxes and um, bring all your young men off to war. He'll probably marry a bunch of your daughters. And it's not going to be good for you. But how many of you know sometimes you ask for it? And they asked for it. And they got Saul. And Saul wasn't so hot. In fact, the, the first, uh, first season of Saul's life as a king, he did, he did okay, he did well. But, but later, Saul began to love his kingdom so much that he loved it more than God. And, and God had to raise up another king in David. And you know what happened? David, David comes into Saul's palace and he marries Saul's daughter. And now Saul, Mr. You Asked For It, becomes his father-in-law and so david now full of the spirit of god he is the most courageous person in israel you understand let me give you the background and and remind you remember he starts out by by uh, tearing a lion apart because it tried to attack his father jesse's sheep come on now that takes courage you ever been near some of them i go I, i go to zoos in japan they're a little bit different over here my daughter's in japan and those animals are kind of free range. How many of you know if you're not the apex predator, you could be the next meal? You know, I ain't about, I ain't about to walk up to a lion and deal with it. But David and his courage did. It, the same thing happened with a bear. A bear went to attack, tore it apart. Then another 
enemy comes into to Israel. But this time, he stands in opposition to the sheep of God. And his name's Goliath. And I want you to hold on to where he's from. He's, from, he's Goliath from Gath. Say it with me. Goliath from Gath. Gath is short for Gethsemane. We'll get to that in just a minute. It's called hard place, pressing place. It's a place where Jesus prayed and sweat drops of blood. Gath is a hard place. And this is a hard man from a hard place. And David, when he goes to defeat him, Saul says, you know, you're not ready for this. You need my armor. And David says, I don't need your armor. Listen, I'm good. I'm cool. How many of you ever know that whatever God's called you to do, you don't need somebody else's calling or gifting or what? Come on. If God's called you to do it, he'll equip you. I said this at the funeral yesterday. You know, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be somebody else and just emulate their life. Be you in the name of Jesus. He's equipped you. He will equip you. So David says, you know, I'll go and defeat this giant. And the reason why is because God's anointing came upon me before. I've seen God up against a bear. I've seen God up against a lion. Lions and tigers and bear. Oh my. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should stand and speak against the armies of the living God? I'm taking him out. And that's just what he did. He's a giant killer. That's what David did. In fact, later in his ministry, in his kingship, he goes and kills off all the giants. He gets them all. He even gets Goliath's brothers. Amen? You know, God doesn't have just one... Come on, He doesn't have one victory for you. He's got a buffet. Sick buffet. A buffet of good stuff. So, so he's the most courageous man in Israel, and yet now he's dealing with his father-in-law, who is also a giant... Let me remind you, the scripture says he stood head and knees and toes, knees and toes, above the rest. He's got to face this giant, and he the battle's different. You can't face this giant the way you faced the last one. You're, you're related to this one. This one you're related to. You don't pick up a stone and a, a, a sling and take out family. You don't. This is tough. I'm telling you, this is tough. The Bible says he'd come in and he'd, he'd play his harp for Saul. He'd play his guitar for Saul. And, and, and the evil spirit would leave Saul. Hang on. And then Saul would get right back into that spirit again. That evil spirit. And then David would have to come back. It's almost as if Saul lost his relationship with God unless David was in the room. Let me just clear something up right now. Every person in your family is called to have their own, rela their own relationship with God. Not through you. You might deliver the truth. You might deliver the Word. You, and, and I taught this a few months ago, and I want, I want to make sure that you understand this correctly. L listen, you are not Jesus. You are not God. You're not to be Jesus. I've heard people say that and teach that. You're not to be. You can't be Jesus. You can't, you're not the source of anybody. You are called to tell the world about Jesus. You are called to give Jesus. You are called to share Jesus. But you ain't Him. Now I'll set you free. Come on, man. I tell you what. Some of y'all slumped. I don't know, man. I wanted to be Jesus. You're not. 
You're not. So he comes in and he, he plays Holy Spirit. He keeps Saul needed to get his own relationship with God. Well, if I know pastor, I know Jesus. No! No! And all I, do, all I gotta do is call pastor, or I'll call a deacon, or I'll get up, I'll get to church, and then church will handle it. No, 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 no. Get your own. Somebody was telling me the other day, this ain't in my notes, but somebody's telling me the other day that they do not like it when people eat from their plate. Oh, you don't know anything about that. Listen, listen, I share my food with you, but if you go diving with your dirty folk, folk in my plate, I take your hand off. I take you out. I don't like it. Get your own plate. Get your own relationship with God. How many of you know this didn't work out for David? It did not work out for David. A spirit of fear came on him because sooner or later, Saul started to project, say project, started to project his own issues that he had with God onto the man that was trying to help him spiritually. And this is what happens in family. This is what happens in family. See, you're very limited in what you can do because you're the Christian. You're the godly one. It's like a pyramid. The closer you get to the top, the less room you have for error. You're, 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 the, you're the representation of God, but you're not God. And that family member will begin after a while to project the issues, their daddy issues, papa, father issues, onto you. And it ain't fun, and it ain't fair, and it hurts. And you can't beat this giant the way you, you beat the last one. So David flees. He runs. He's hiding. And this psalm helps us understand the predicament he's in. Because what he dealt with, how many of you know that the problem you start with, if you go and run, you'll just end up in another place and that same problem will be there? Come, come on. Well, I'm, I'm leaving this house. I'm leaving this. I'm leaving Finley. I just can't take it anymore in Finley. What you think it's going to be like wherever you get? A lot better, huh? No, it's not. You're going to get there and you're going to mess it up. If it is a perfect place, you'll mess it up because you got there. Well, I'll just get me another place. Trouble goes with. Trouble comes with. And David ends up in a place called Gath. Who's from Gath? What? What? Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Goliath is from Gath. What's he doing in enemy territory? What's he doing in this place? He's not supposed to be there. In fact, as we get into the psalm here, I just want to read the title because the title gives us a lot before we even dive into any of the, of the meat. Maybe we'll get some more of the meat next Sunday. I don't know. We'll see where the Holy Spirit takes us. But it says the title of David. It says the psalm of David. When he pretended to be insane. How many of you know you can lose your mind and God will help you find it? I had a teacher that used to do that. She'd say, Glenn, you have lost your mind, but I'll help you find it. When he writes a psalm to the Lord, he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Fear led him to go on a run and hide. And where he ended up was a greater place of fear. Come on, pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, God, do not come under the Father of fear. Fear must be broken by your love in Jesus' name. 
Lord, I speak prophetically and spiritually to every chain in this room. And God, I break it in the name of Jesus. And God, I break it by your love. I speak love to every wound from the home, from every hurt from the home. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so who is this king? Abimelech. He is the king in Gath. What is Gath? It's a hard place. It's a pressing place. It's a tight place. His name is Abimelech, but that is his formal name. His true name is Achish. Achish is the word for fear. Abimelech is the word for father. He is the father of fear. Salah. Just take a moment. What he was running from, he found again. There he is, right back in the presence of what he was trying to get away from. But this time, he loses himself. This time, he's not who he really is anymore. This time, he's given up his identity. This time, he plays the fool. Isn't it ironic that he's also got the same anointing for kingship? He's not the fool. He's the king. But the king is playing the script of a fool just to stay alive. Maybe they won't notice it's me. Maybe they, maybe if I shut down enough, maybe they won't know what I've really been called to do and who I really am and what God has placed on my life. Maybe if I shave off this, shave off that. Maybe if I conform a little bit. Maybe if I just placate. Maybe if I do something that makes people more comfortable with me, somehow I'll get to where God wants me to get. Have you ever come in contact with somebody that you love and that you wished loved you too? the way you needed him to, and you walked on eggshells? Have you? Oh, it's quiet. You ever, you, ever, you ever get around somebody that because of the mood and the control that they have through fear, you just don't want to, you just, you just want to keep the peace. You just want to keep the peace. Oh, I'm speaking to something. You just want to keep the peace. I don't want to stir up, I don't want to stir up a hornet's nest. I will shave off all parts of my identity just so that when I'm with you, you won't get upset. Just so that when I'm with you, no one will get mad. No one will get angry. Have you ever been with someone that um, they just had this ability, here's another one, to when you're around them, dump this big bowl of guilt into you, and now you're doing what you want them to do. I'm talking about manipulation. I'm talking about guilt I'm talking about anger. I'm talking about shame. And if you put it all together, it's gas. And the devil wants to give you gas. Guilt, anger, shame. And if you don't do what I want you, if you don't do what I want you to do, here comes a big old steamy bowl of guilt. You'll do it. Or I'll make you feel guilty till you do. Now that's not the freedom of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord brings freedom. Come on, is freedom in Jesus' name. We want to have relationship, but it doesn't mean that you're Lord. It means that He's Lord. I'm going to give to you because I love you, not because I'm guilted into it, not because I'm shamed into it, and not because if I don't, you'll get angry. 
do I have to do what you want me to do or you'll get mad? Is that just going to make you so mad? Listen, there are people that are lifetime professionals at this. They are great at it. They are master manipulators. And you will not realize it, but after a while of spending time with them, you will come under that spirit of fear. I love what my Bible says. <laughs> God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But of power, love, and a sound mind. David lost his mind in this place. David lost his anointed power in this place because David no longer felt the love of his father. He went from one father-in-law, Saul, you asked for it, over here to another father, father of fear, Abimelech, Akesh. Do you get that? I don't make this stuff up, man. I, I, you know, I try to study. I mean, a little, do you get that? Do you realize that the devil will just replace one father with another, with another, with another, with another? And if you'll keep running, he'll keep giving you more fathers, more fearful people. But God says, look, I want to change it all. I want to give you, I want to be your heavenly father. I want to be Jehovah Shalom, Father Peace. I have my son and his name is the Prince of Peace. Honk, honk. Come on. That's what I give, and I give it through my love. Where I'm going to land the plane in just a little bit. The antidote for fear is not faith. It's love. It's love. Then once you know you're loved, you can act in faith in everything God's called you to do. Paul says later in 1 Corinthians, he says that, oh, I got goosebumps. Paul says this, he says, listen, I can have the faith that moves mountains, but if I don't have love... What trumps what in that verse? He says, if I don't have love, I have nothing. And we think, well, I just got to believe more. I got to trust God more. Yes, you do. But, but really, the antidote for what has you in bondage is not believing more. The antidote is just receiving more. It's just receiving Father love. That's tough. Because if you struggle with your earthly father, You'll you, you project onto your heavenly Father. Does He love me? Does He love me? Does He really care? And we'll look at the crisis instead of looking at Christ. We'll look at the situation instead of being walking in the Spirit. We'll look at the predicament rather than connecting with the power of God. Whew. I've already burned up my banana I had for breakfast. Just to let you know, it's gone. Guilt, anger, shame. If you're feeling those things, if those things are being used against you, listen, I want to tell you, he that the Son sets free is free indeed. You're not to walk in that anymore. Guilt, anger, and shame. It's like trying to start a fire with gasoline. You know that's wrong. I got some friends that have been hurt. That's wrong, and that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to live your life in accordance to guilt, anger, and shame. And all that's going to do is put you in another place of fear, in a deeper place of fear. Let me break this psalm down for a little bit, and then I'll give you a couple verses, and we'll close. What's interesting about this song, uh, a psalm here is it's an acrostic. Say acrostic. 
You say, well, what is that? You need to write some things into your notes. This is this this would be a good one. It's an acrostic. Each of the verses of this song will correspond to a Hebrew letter. It's almost like David is saying, let me give you the ABCs of walking in love and not in fear. Okay? But in the Hebrew language, we don't have ABCs. We have Aleph, we have Beat, and we have Gimel. So it'd be ABG, okay? So let me give you that. The interesting thing, though, is each of these verses starts with a letter in Hebrew with the exception of one letter. And that's Val. Val is tent peg. Say tent peg. It's what it looks like. The original language, um, it would look, uh, the original Hebrew language was, uh, was uh, pictographs, kind of like Chinese language. They were pictures. Later, as there was some Phoenician and Aramaic influence, the letters changed, but originally they looked like pictures. So, so Val was a tent peg. In other words, you would, you, you would use that word or that letter to, and it looked like the shape of a tent peg. You would, that would be a place that would, you'd make your house in. It's interesting. David is saying, I'm going to write you a whole psalm about fear, and I'm going to leave out one, I'm going to leave out Val. I'm going to leave out this one letter just to teach you that you're never to make your home. I don't need to repeat that, do you? Sometimes I want you to say amen, not me. I want you to say amen. Make it so in my life, Lord. I'll never make my home in fear. I'll never make my home in fear. But instead of leaving you out, he gives two Two letters in this acrostic. It is what we would use for the word fa or fe, and this is a shepherd's staff. So it's almost like don't make your home in fear, but I'm going to make up for whatever fear you have. Come follow me. I'm the good shepherd. I'll bring you to peace. I'll lead you to peace. Let me put it to you another way. David in the 23rd Psalm puts it this way. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yehovah Rohi, my shepherd, right? I shall not want. And then what's he say? He says that thy rod and thy staff, they what? Comfort me. So there's a, there's a rod and there's a staff. David is saying, let him be your shepherd. That's the staff part. But the rod part is for the wolves. That's the other part the shepherd would have. It's like a small club. He'd pull it off his belt buckle just like Batman. Come on. He'd pull it off like this and he'd throw it at wolves and smack them in the head. How many of you know the battle belongs to the Lord? How many of you know whatever is pursuing you, you don't have to worry about. You just pursue the shepherd. Just stay with the shepherd. Oh, can I go to the end? I don't know if we have time. I want to go to the end. At the end of the 23rd Psalm, it does say something pursues us. But it's not the wolf anymore. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some scholars have said goodness and mercy are like sheepdogs. It's God's way of keeping you in the fold. And how does He do it? Not through fear. I want to tell you about a God that loves you, a Father of love. He does it through His goodness and His mercy. They're what keeps you in the fold and following the shepherd. Ooh, can you smell what's cooking? Come on. 
So David says this, and he says, look, I want you to see this acrostic. Here's how to do it. I'm going to read uh, six verses here. Verse 1, I will extol. That means magnify the Lord with praise. What is praise? What is worship? It is magnifying something. You say, how can you magnify God who's already bigger than big? Simply this, you live in a world where God is not as big as He needs to be. God is not, God is not as magnified as He needs to be in this world. So he's put magnifying glasses on this world called you to lift him up, to make him famous, to tell the world about him. That's what extol means. It means to magnify the Lord. And, 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 and when we worship God, it's an old English word called worth-ship. It's whatever you give worth, uh, worth to. So if you give worth to what you're afraid of, you worship it. You say, well, I, I, I've never had a worship service for fear. You do it every day of your life when you meditate on the things in your mind and you speak the things from your lips that have to do with giving worth to what keeps you in bondage. Do what? Can I teach or what? This, I mean, it ain't easy, man. I'm telling you, it ain't. But, but, but if you, but if you want to walk in freedom, you got to deal with your mind. You got to deal with your mouth. The meditation of your heart has to be on the Lord. And magnifying Him. And, and, and the words of your lips, your confession must be on the Lord. Not on, not on the crisis, but on Christ. It says, I'll extol, magnify the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. <laughs> Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. How many? How did it happen? He sought him. He sought the Lord. I'm, gonna, I'm about to tell you. He sought the Lord, not the answer, not the, pro, not the solution, because the answer and the solution was God. How many of you, when you're talking to God, you're talking to God about the problem? He already knows about the problem. Did you know God already knows the problem? Did you know that God, when you tell God there's a problem, He goes, yes, I know. But do you know I'm the solution? Well, no, God, I need the solution. And God says, no, seek me, not the solution, because I am the solution. Look, I flipped the pancake, put a little syrup on it. It says this, those who look to him are what? Radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man, he's talking of himself there. This poor man called. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Out of all of his troubles. David is showing us a way out. He's showing us a way through. He's showing us how to make it. Back to the 23rd Psalm, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David doesn't call death, death. David calls death a shadow. David doesn't call death, death. Listen, we, we live in a culture where we say there's two things that are certain, death and taxes. No, they're not. No, they're not. Praise God. Amen? Well, maybe taxes for a little while. Watch out with that one. But death's been conquered. In fact, death has been swallowed up in victory. Death is not the end. It's a shadow. What do you do when you're walking through a valley? You just keep walking. Keep walking with the Lord. And let me ask you, if there's a shadow, there must be a sun. So, so I just want to challenge you this morning. Look to his face 
and your face will become radiant. Look to his face. What are you focusing on? What it, what it, what grabs your gaze? What, what, your focus determines your reality. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on your issues and your, your pain and your struggle? Well, then death is going to become more than a shadow. You're going to die there. But if you'll turn your gaze, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full. Come on. And the things will grow strangely dim in the... That's the solution. They that look to the Lord, their faces are radiant. You say, God, I'm, I'm afraid of father fear. Saul, God, I'm in the midst of Abimelech, Akash, father fear, in Gath. And God says, just look at me. Just, just, just look at me. I'll change your countenance. I'll change you. I'll change your surroundings. There won't be a shadow anymore because you'll be shining light too. Can it be? Can it really be that, that God could bring the solution being Him not to your circumstance, but in your heart? And now things begin to change because of what exudes out of you? Could it be? Could it be that sometimes we create our own reality? Could it be that what happened was small, but we threw gas on it, made a mountain out of a molehill? Could it be that we make things and magnify things bigger than they really are? And God says, if you'll just learn to take that magnification and turn it on the face of my son, I'll conquer whatever's coming again. I'll destroy it. I'll make it right in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a hand clap this morning? We learn from David in this moment that praise conquers fear. In verse 1, he says, Your praise will always be on my lips. You know when you're focused. You know when you're focused on the life. When your praise is on your lips. And it's constantly there. I know people that panic and I know people that praise. It's panic or praise. I know people that worry and I know people that worship. It's worry or worship. You don't get both. Light, light has no fellowship with darkness. You don't get both. It's an either or. I know we don't want to be in a dichotomous world anymore. We want a million shades of gray. But let me tell you, this one is black and white. You must choose. Are you going to live with worry or are you going to start to worship? Are you going to live in panic or are you going to start to praise? He goes on to say, I sought the Lord, He answered me, and He delivered me from all my fears. Notice in verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord. Like I said earlier, He sought God. And the answer was dessert. It was cake. It was extra. He knew if He had God, He had the rest. I want to tell you that if you have God, it'll deal with your dark room where negatives develop. I had a friend once. He went out and bought himself the nicest Canon uh, camera that could be made. Cost him thousands of dollars. I'm not going to mention his name. I don't want to embarrass him. But he started taking pictures with it. He said, man, this is so cool. His hands would shake because I can't believe the pictures I'm going to be able to take with this camera. 
And then later on, he wanted to show me the picture. So I looked on the other side of the camera and they were all black. He didn't take off the lens cap. You can have the, I don't care how much scripture you know. I don't, listen, I don't care how long you've attended church, how close you are to the pastor, how many years you've spent with God and His Spirit at the altar. Every single day, you've got to be willing to take the lens cap off and praise God regardless and take the right pictures. You might have the most expensive apparatus there is spiritually, but without the lens cap off, it's going to be a bunch of blank pictures, a bunch of dark stuff. It's like taking the binoculars and turning them the other way, man, and seeing the God's eye view of what He wants you to see. In verse 18, David shows us that. He says, he says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and those that are crushed in spirit. And that's where I've got to land. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. We want another blessing, but we don't want another breaking. We don't want to be in a broken place to receive it. God, is there any way that you can give me your closeness and leave me intact? You see, I want to hold on to everything I got, and I want everything to be the same, and I want you to come into the situation, especially with family, and I want you to deal with both of these father figures. I want you to deal with all that fear. But at the same time, I want you to leave me alone. (laughs) It don't work that way. It don't work that way. Here's how it works. Jesus is presented with the need of hunger from a multitude of 5,000 people. One disciple says, we better feed this bunch or they're going to turn into an angry mob and kill us, basically. Yeah. I'm adding a little artistic liberty, but we better feed them, Lord. You've been preaching all day. How many of you know that there just comes a time for the pastor to shut down and let us get a hamburger? Come on. Well, how are we going to feed them? How are we going to do it? All we've got is a sack lunch, and this little boy shows up with a sack lunch. He's got two loaves and some fish. It's not enough. It's barely a meal for the little boy. It's barely a a snack. And the Bible says that Jesus puts it up before the Father, what isn't enough, and He says, Father, thank You for what isn't enough, and He breaks it. I'm not enough, neither you. But God thanks the Father for you. then allows you to be broken. Then came the multiplication. It wasn't just it wasn't just that the disciples could eat or that even the 5000 could eat. Everybody ate after the breaking. Cuz in the same place of breaking is the same place of blessing. And they were left with 12 basketfuls. They had enough to put in the boat for the disciples for the trip across the lake. And let me tell you, they needed that because their hearts were already hardening. They needed to look at a reminder. All the scraps were put in baskets, 12 full. Here, each of you guys can have a whole basket full, probably enough to eat for the rest of the week. 
because you're going to doubt again. After 5,000 people eat, you're going to see the crisis again and not see the Christ. And it happened. The place of blessing was the same place of breaking. Jesus is in Gath, Gethsemane, not in Philistia. And he's broken. He defeats sin and death by starting at Gath, not Calvary. Sin and death came from a garden. Sin and death, and at the beginning of its defeat, starts in a garden. Gethsemane, the place where they take from the vine and they crush the olives from the trees. And they press the olives into oil. And the oil now. My Bible says it's the oil of gladness. My, my Bible says the oil is anointing. My Bible says the oil is power. In the same place of breaking. I want to be close to God. Do you realize what you're asking? He, David says the Lord is close to the broken hearted. It's funny because the devil will show up with his gas and he'll say, God's far from you. God's, God's far from you. Because you'll look at the way you feel rather than the faith you should have in your God. God's far from you. And the truth of the matter is, because you're broken, God's never been closer. Then you realize, this is who I am. This is who I am. As I look into your face, I'm no longer a fool. And I won't, I don't, I won't play the fool. And I won't live in shame or in anger and guilt anymore. And I'm not going to be controlled by fear. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. And in that place regardless of the way I've been treated by the people I love the most, the love of my God, my Father, breaks every chain. So next week we're going to study the rest of this. That's just the introduction. Your God desires for you to have freedom. Freedom from fear. You should never, you don't walk in guilt anymore. You don't have to be afraid. God's not angry with you. You don't have to walk around in shame anymore. His perfect love casts out all fear. You say, Pastor, I just got to believe that more. No, you just got to receive that more. You got to receive that more. I'll teach you later that you don't even generate your own faith. God gives you faith. That's an act of grace too. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll cover that. You know, well, I make my own faith. No, you don't. <laughs> you receive that too. Saved by grace. Through faith. And then it says, not of yourselves, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, gift of God. Both of them. Both of them. Grace and faith are a gift. God says, ta-da, here's Christmas and your birthday. I was born real, Christ real close to Christmas, and people said, like my aunts and my uncles and my mama and my daddy, they said, well, here's one for your birthday and for Christmas. And I'm like, don't you do that to me. What you talking about, Willis? But God says, no, I got you covered. I got two for you. I got grace. And I got faith. Receive my love. We're going to worship the Lord. We're just going to take some...
And then you, you be dismissed as God leads you to. Can you do that? You don't need a guy for that. You need a God for that. It's okay. And as the worship team comes, could you all stand? Or, or sit if, you, if, that, if that makes you more comfortable. That's cool. You, you know what to do. David said, you know what? I will extol you at all times. I'm not going to live in this anymore. I'm going to praise you, God. I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to give worth to Christ. Hello, are you happy about this right now? I, I just feel like we're in some liturgical church somewhere. We said, stand up, sit down, stand up, holy. Come on. Like, I got to, you know, some of you are like stretching. That's good. Get a little loose. Aren't you, aren't you happy? You know, it's funny. I go, I, I go places and I see people in the world and they know how to have fun. 